just chatting over lunch at the table there, and Peter and I were just talking about the bit after Christmas, or, or how maybe as the years go by, it seems that Christmas is slightly less frenzied or manic or chaotic than maybe it used to be. Maybe that's not the case for you. I love this passage and this point that we find ourselves after um, focusing so heavily on the annunciation and the birth of Jesus, the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, all the things that we've gone over uh, during Advent and thought about Jesus, the light of the world. And then we come to this quiet moment. We come to this quiet moment when all of the drama and the excitement, if you like, that we uh, that we that we celebrate and remember is is over, and and Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to do what the law requires, and we have this quiet encounter with these two older saints. I'm not sure how uh, significant uh, the dates or the days are where. Uh, the law required that eight days after the birth of a male child, then the child had to be circumcised and named. And so the eight days uh, has passed. And in verse 21, uh, Jesus was given the name, uh, given his name, Yeshua, Joshua, Isaiah, all the same name, just like forms of John and Ian and Jan and, you know, Giovanni. We could keep going, Ivan. How many are there? And so all of these forms of the name, which means salvation, or he saves. Jesus saves. And so he's named Savior um, eight days after he's born. And then there's a, a, a period required in Leviticus chapter 12 of 33 days. 33 days for a woman to uh, be ceremonially cleansed after the birth of a son. If it was a daughter, it was two weeks until the naming, uh, and then it was 66 days. But if it was after a son, it was 33 days. And so, the events that we read of take place on day 41, <laughs> eighth day, and then another 33 days. And so, it's about 41 days. Well, it's not about it is. And I wonder if there's any significance to the fact that it's 41 you know, 40 is a significant number in the Bible, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days in the desert. 40 was a number that, that, that spoke of, reminded of that, that period of kind of journeying and trial before the beginning of the next. And, and Jesus, after 40 days in the wilderness, as, as, as goes out of Israel, crossing through the Jordan as Joshua had led people in. The new Joshua led the people out through the waters of the Jordan into the wilderness and spent 40 days there, just as the people of Israel had spent 40 years in the wilderness. And Jesus, the new Joshua, as it were, comes back in at the end of that 40-day period to herald the arrival, the advent of a new kingdom, a new chapter, a new promise fulfilled. I've often, you know… There's so much in this uh, passage, and I'm not going to do justice to it all because there are so many themes in here. 
Now here we are at the beginning of a new chapter with the promise of this new life on day 41. And Jesus is taken by His parents to offer a sacrifice to mark Mary's cleansing, the end of that period of, of the birth. And they encounter these two characters. And it's a beautiful story because it's a story of, uh, if you like, liminality. <laughs> What's liminality? Liminality is, is that twilight period between this bit and that bit, the crossover, the time when we're moving from what has been to what will be. And, and liminality is the in-between place, the twilight zone. And so this chapter represents a, a place of, of liminality, of moving from one thing to another. And it represents a fulfillment, as we'll see. Because this passage is all about fulfillment. It's all about the fulfillment of promise. It's all about the fulfillment of hope. It's about the fulfillment of faith and expectation. It's about the fulfillment of God's intentions towards His people. And so we have these two characters, Simeon, about whom we know so little except that he was righteous and he was devout. Two words which tell us slightly different things about him and challenge me, and maybe they challenge you as well. Because his righteousness, if you like, was a reflection on his mode of living. What he did with what he'd received. How he responded to the teaching that he had been given in the law and how he responded to this faith in the living God. And he was devout. He was somebody, with, and the word devout refers to, if you like, the mode or the nature of his relationship. So he was someone whose life moved between those dual rhythms of devotion to God, of being devout and sincere in his faith, in his worship, in his prayer, in his relationship with God, and righteous in the way he lived that out and let it affect the kind of man that he was in the way he lived his life. And therein consists the rhythm of all our discipleship, righteous and devout, devout and righteous. We cannot do that which the Lord requires, except we abide in Him. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Simeon was a prophet. He was a man who'd received a prophetic promise and a man who uttered a prophetic promise. He'd held on to this single promise. And I don't know how long he'd held on to it for. You know, there's something very challenging about these two characters in 2017 slash 2018. There's something very challenging about meditating and focusing in on two characters who had no choice but to hold on and stay the course and wait for God to fulfill His Word and His promise. You know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse that we live in a world of, of instant gratification. We live in a world where we can instantly 
have, buy, communicate with, connect with, see into. There's so much that we can do and have like that because we live in a world of instant gratification. The speeds get faster. The next wave of fiber optic broadband is on its way. Speeds will get faster, and everything will become instantly more available. You can order it today, and you can have it tomorrow. Why wait for anything? You have an idea, you go on Amazon, you find it, you click it. It's in the system, and you get it the next day. We travel huge distances because we can. Distances where the ancients learned the pace and the patience and the rhythm of waiting and walking, of things taking time, of work being harder and more laborious and slower and more demanding. We know nothing of the rhythm of life that we read of in Scripture because we live at breakneck speed and because the possibilities of speed and instantaneous results are there, we avail ourselves of them and we live at that pace. And we have expectations of ourselves and of one another at that pace. And so it's nice on the Sunday after Christmas when I hope that you've had at least some time to slow down, <laughs> to come to a passage that challenge us because of the perseverance and the endurance and the tortoise-like pace in our hair-obsessed world of these two people. What I particularly love about this passage is that it speaks of fulfillment. It speaks of the fulfillment of that which was past, and it speaks of the fulfillment which is about to come in this handover place. This passage is about the fulfillment of what God has said before, and the promise and the expectation that God is about to fulfill in the future what He has already said. Why did Mary and Joseph go twice to the temple? In order to fulfill the requirements of the law. Mary and Joseph went on the eighth day because Leviticus chapter 12 commanded them to, because God had spoken. The Father had spoken, had, had inscribed in tablets of stone His Word, and here is His Word made flesh, now taken in obedience to the word that he himself was when he was spoken and written to submit to the requirements of the law. Jesus' circumcision, his naming, the purification, all in fulfillment of the law. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. For I truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. 
And so in that simple act of obedience and the birth of a child, the law was fulfilled. And then we encounter Simeon and discover that Simeon has been carrying in his heart and in his life a prophetic promise, and we don't know how long he's carried it for. We simply know that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Was this a promise that he'd been carrying since he was 17, 28, 44? How old was Simeon? Life expectancy was short. He may only have been in his 50s or his 60s. Anna's age is remarkable because few people lived to her length of days. And he was carrying a promise in his heart and holding on to it and letting his life be shaped by it and enduring in the slow, patient waiting to see that promise fulfilled. You know, we want to see God do it now. Answer every prayer now. We're not very good at the patience game. Of course, life is its own teacher. Some things just take time. But here in this moment, with the Holy Spirit guiding Simeon's steps, the Holy Spirit who inspired the promise that Simeon had first received, the Holy Spirit who brought together this couple, the Holy Spirit who in that moment gave to Simeon the revelation and the certainty. What? How did he know? This is just a couple with a baby. How many couples with babies were coming to do what you did? What marked this ordinary couple? A carpenter from Nazareth, so what? A young girl with her first child, so what? I don't imagine she was wearing a blue shawl, and I certainly don't imagine that there was a, a golden aura or a halo or whatever around Mary's head that marked them out and said, well, it must be that couple. Look, they look like all the Renaissance paintings, so it must be them. And so in the mystery of the revelation of God, the Holy Spirit, Simeon knew. And so the law was fulfilled. And so the prophets were fulfilled. The prophecy that Simeon had received, the law and the prophets, fulfilled from what had gone before. But it wasn't just a fulfillment of what had been before. There was a promise of what would yet be. You know, when, when Fiona was reading, it's funny how uh, sometimes words from Scripture just kind of strike you afresh. We're told that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And then we're told about this prophetess, Anna, who was waiting for the redemption, or she was spoke to the child about all those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem consolation and redemption. Consolation and redemption. Isn't that why you're here today? <laughs> Isn't that why we're all here today? Consolation and redemption. Because 
we need the consolation that God in Jesus Christ is offering and has offered to us to console us. In this world, you will have trouble, said Jesus, and we all know that to be true. In this world, you will struggle, and it will not be a straight or easy or even course, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Here was a prophecy, a promise, fulfilled for the consolation of God's people. You know, God knows how it is with you. As you go into 2018, the places in your life or story where maybe it doesn't look like it's going to get fixed or changed anytime soon, but what God offers is His consolation. In other words, to stand with you in the place where you are and to know that this is only for a season. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured a cross. And it would only be for a season that Simeon had been asked to carry and hold on to and believe in this promise. And so the law had been fulfilled by the one who, when he became an adult and began his ministry, would point people towards or would declare himself to be the fulfillment of the law. The law fulfilled in the past, and Jesus came in order that he might fulfill the law on your behalf. There was a future moment. It wasn't just consolation, it was redemption. And we are here because we need the consolation of our shepherd king who knows how it is with us and who offers to console us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But who also offers the promise of redemption to fulfill the law for you, to do what you can't do. As Paul wrote in famously in chapter 7 to the Romans, I know the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, that I keep on doing, and so on. And so the law fulfilled by Mary and Joseph in their obedience in order that Jesus might come and fulfill the law in its entirety for them and for you and for me and for Simeon and for Anna to fulfill the requirements of the law, not letting one least stroke of a pen be overlooked. And just as Jesus' arrival in Simeon under the Holy Spirit recognizing him meant the fulfillment of a prophetic promise that God had already given, so Simeon uttered, a prophecy. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And so a prophecy fulfilled from the past and a prophecy given for the future. Jesus, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And so we have this pair of characters who challenge us. 
who challenge us by their unwillingness and their preparedness to go the long haul. I don't know what you said about what kind of old person you'd like to be, but one of the things I'd like to be as an old person is someone who is still full of that twinkly-eyed faith that I've seen in some old people. Those who are still in their senior years holding out and looking forward to the fulfillment of the promises that they've believed, knowing that the moment of their salvation is nearer than when you first believed, as it says in Romans chapter 13. And so Simeon and Anna are the handover. After a whole lifetime of waiting and hoping and seeing nothing except the nation of Israel getting taken over by the Romans, not seeing a Messiah come, not seeing any help or rescue or change, not seeing any deliverance, but they stayed the course through a season that was probably pretty bleak. They stayed the course, and they held on to a promise. They stayed the course, and they held fast in a place of worship and of faith and of prayer, of fasting in Anna's case. And they stayed the course because they were right at the end of the 400 silent years since God had spoken. They were those who were holding on. And in many ways, we may feel like we are a people who are holding on in a world that is increasingly indifferent, or so it seems, to the gospel and its message and its witness, to a, a, a society that seems to turn more and more on, on, on itself and to reject the things of God. God calls us to be like Simeon and Anna, calls us to hold on and to believe and to know that just as they saw the fulfillment of all that God had promised encapsulated in this little life, so they could hand over to the next generation. And so there's a moment in this story where this faithful pair, not a couple, but a pair, hand on their work is done, so to speak. We never hear of them again. It's hard to imagine that Anna lived much longer if she was 84 years old. And certainly Simeon accepted that he could now go peacefully to the close of his life, knowing that he'd kept the faith, that he'd completed his journey, that he hadn't lost hope or heart or lost sight of what he'd been called to believe and trust in, and that having seen this child, they could move from that season to the next. And the next would not begin to unroll for 30 years yet. Times and distances different from our instant expectations. But they model for us waiting and patience and faithfulness. They model for us the long distance and a long perspective. They challenge us to be those who are called to keep the faith, who live lives of devotion and righteousness. They challenge us because here are two older people who are still 
a dynamic prophetic voice in their day, day and generation. And so never imagine if you're up in years that your work is done, that you have no gift to offer, or that you have no prophetic voice to speak because Simeon and Anna were still speaking prophetically right up to the end of their years. And they kept the faith. They kept the faith that they might end well. Isn't that all that any of us would hope for as Christians? <laughs> to end well. To complete the journey. To sustain. And so Simeon and Anna would leave behind their mission and their lives. Their job was done. And maybe as we stand on the threshold between 2017 and 2018, you need to ask yourself, what are the things then that I can recognize are now done and I can leave those behind? What are the things that are completed? And maybe it was a hard season, and I imagine there was much hardship and difficulty for Simeon and Anna in keeping the faith. She was a widow till she was 84, meaning that she was dependent on the charity and the mercy of others. Her husband lived for seven years, which meant that she, in a patriarchal society with no independent means as far as we know, depended on the grace of God and the charity of other people. Her life had not been easy. And of Simeon, we know so little. And so, as you embark on 2018, this threshold place, where can you see the fulfillment of what God has been doing or has called you to? Where can you see that in this threshold place you need to leave some things behind? And maybe there are things you need to leave behind that are just simply not good. And 2017 is as good a place as any to dump them in before we leave it. And as you embark on 2018, what will it look like for you to renew and keep the faith and hold on afresh to the promise that God has spoken to you, given to you, called you to be a custodian and a torchbearer and an ambassador and a witness to as you go into this next season? Who knows what 2018 will yield? I'm so bored of Brexit, it's unbelievable. And world affairs will shift, and uncertainties about wars and rumors of wars will dominate, and all it will just carry on. But we are torchbearers and custodians of a deposit of faith that says that Jesus will come again. And when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find those like Simeon and Anna who are committed to the long haul, who are committed to going the distance, who despite the instant gratification of our age have chosen instead to hold on to promises that sometimes seem elusive, realities that sometimes seem so beyond our grasp, but that we like they can be those who within our lifetime will hold on to the deposit of faith so that there will come a time and a place 
where we will hand over to others and let go because we will have carried the torch for a season. This couple challenged me, this pair. The certainty that having seen the salvation of God. And it's interesting that Simeon says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. <laughs> Remember, the word Jesus means salvation. For my eyes have seen your Jesus. And if our eyes have seen Jesus, then we too are those who stand in the place where God has fulfilled what he said in the past and he's on his way to fulfilling what he's yet said he will do in the future and he calls us to keep pace and keep faith with him whatever happens in the world let's pray together loving God our heavenly father we thank you for the witness and the testimony of this older couple. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge that they are to us as those who to the end of their days pursued righteousness, devotion, prayer, worship, fasting, holiness, who were alive and alert to the activity of the Holy Spirit who knew and knew the spark of life and dynamism, of hope and promise and expectation. Lord, may we be such. And as they stood in the place of the prophetic tradition, so they bore witness to prophecy fulfilled and uttered prophecy of what was still to be. Lord, we are those who live in the fullness and the fulfillment of that which you've done to complete the law for us, that in you the requirements of the law are fulfilled, and we in you know that fullness. But Lord, you call us, you call us to be prophetic witnesses to the promises that are still in the process of being fulfilled in their entirety, when there will be new heavens and a new earth, when Jesus will return and gather his people. And you call us to be witnesses to the risen Christ, to the salvation and the forgiveness that flows from your cross and your redemption. And we're called to be those who can walk through adversity because of your consolation. And so, Lord, we ask you to show us what we must leave behind in 2017, either because it's completed or because it's better left here. We ask, Lord, that you give courage to your church here and throughout the world to hold fast to what we have believed going forward into a new year. And we pray, Lord, that we may be a light and a witness and that as the complexity of global affairs multiplies and continues and becomes more difficult and entrenched, 
Lord, may we walk in the simplicity of knowing that in you there is peace, for you have overcome the world. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for wisdom. And however tedious the political affairs and machinations of politics and our relationship with Europe and others around the world is, we pray for wisdom because we know that the casualties so often of the big decisions at these levels are the poorest people in our societies. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give wisdom, that you would give restraint, and that you would give a circumspection to those who lead us and make such decisions to consider those that you have particular concern for. We pray, Lord, for the witness of your church here in Glasgow, in this city, in the city center, in this place, but throughout the body of Christ in this city and throughout the nation. And Lord, we pray that you would show us how we may live prophetically for you and before others in the ordinary business of our living and our working, our studying and our serving, and in the particular giftings and callings that are on our lives. So lead us, we pray. We give thanks for this past year and all that we have learned in it, all that has shaped us. We give thanks for the forgiveness and the grace that has met us countless times when we have wandered from your way. We give thanks, Lord, for the signs of your provision, of your blessing, of your revelation, of your encouragement. We give thanks, Lord, for the testimonies of healing and help and transformation that are ours and that have encouraged us in others. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue deepen and increase your work in the midst of the years. And all we ask in Jesus' name.